Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Authentic series, which walks through the book of James, discovering how we can be a growing and maturing Christian. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. James chapter 5 tonight, and we have uh, we've not been in our study for a while here in the book of James um, but we, had, we were in it and started a series in the book of James uh, a few months ago. And so in order to kind of get all of us on the same page, kind of give us a quick update, uh, remembering the context of where we are. Of course, this letter is written by, uh, letter is written by James to the, the believers that are all scattered abroad. Uh, if you remember and think about this, of course, uh, you could go all the way back to the first century church there in the, uh, the book of Acts. And what do we recall? We find that those believers in the book of Acts, man, they started out well. God was working in them. Great things were going. Uh, but then persecution hits the church. And those believers, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number nine, uh, they're spread abroad. And they're spread abroad because of their persecution. And so James goes from having, and I, I put myself almost in, in his shoes, he goes from having this incredible thriving church in the first century, dwindling that down to just a few hundred people that are trying to meet perhaps in houses and trying to meet secretly. And they couldn't, they could gather openly, but man, they would, they would undergo much more persecution if that were the case. And many of their believers of the Hebrews, they had scattered abroad because of that persecution. And so here James writes to these believers, this first letter to them, this first uh, New Testament book of the Bible that we have. And what does James write? He writes to them to be an encouragement. He writes to them, of course, the James chapter number one, that he writes to them, hey, just know that the trying of your faith, it, work is, it works patience in your life. And so let, let patience have a perfect, uh, the ability to work perfectly in your life so that it can help you become a mature and an authentic Christian. And James really writes to them some ways that they could identify if their Christianity is real or if it's just lip service and of course, we've learned a number of lessons from James. He encouraged them and us in, in humility. He encourages us in patience in a trial. He encourages the reader in using their words for encouragement, no matter how you're treated. He speaks in James chapter number uh, four about having a, a faith that is, uh, uh, that having works that prove the faith that you have. And most recently, we listened as James challenge the readers to steward their life well. If you remember James chapter four, where, James, where he wrote that life is just a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And he helps them understand, hey, don't get so consumed with the here and now that you lose focus on what's really important. And he gives a challenge on understanding that I can go through life and try to find fulfillment and purpose and satisfaction by accomplishing my goals and my purposes, or I can give God first place and see what God can do with my life, making his goals my goals, his purposes my purposes. And so tonight we come back into this letter from James, and we have really just three messages left in the book of James. And James chapter number five is where we're going to be tonight. And as we find our way into the passage, I'm sure you've heard the saying that money talks. You ever heard that? Money talks. 
Maybe you were like my dad and he heard someone say it years ago and he accepted, he kind of took it as his, uh, his MO. He would say, well, if money talks, all it ever says to me is goodbye. <laughs> Maybe that's your story about money. But the fact is that money, it does speak. And how you use your money, how you steward your money, it reveals a lot about you. Your money tells on you. It tells what's important. It tells where you're trusting. It tells about what is truly inside your heart. In our passage, James writes about how we hear money speaking against the rich. And the rich in our passage, they were trusting in their money. They were greedy with their money. And they were corrupted by their money. And James writes to warn the reader those three specific thoughts. And so I want you to take your Bibles tonight. Let's go to James chapter five and let's just read the first six verses of James chapter five as James writes this. Go to now. That phrase, go to now, it means come on. Come on now. You rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches, they are corrupted. And your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them. It shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, they crieth. And the cries of them uh, which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath or Sabbath, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. In our passage, James writes specifically to the rich. And this morning, or this morning, this evening, we are going to understand that while the challenge goes out to the rich, I believe the, the reception of it can be by everybody. Because there's a number of principles and three specifically that we're gonna learn tonight about finances and about money. And I think it'll be a help to us as we learn really three simple thoughts. Number one, don't trust your money. Number two, don't be greedy with your money. And number three, don't be corrupted by your money. And those three principles we're going to find in this passage tonight. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you take just a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you, would you ask God to speak to your heart? Would you give God permission to help you tonight? And then would you make the decision that if God speaks to you, that you're going to respond to him tonight? Dear Lord, I just want to come before you and thank you for the day. Thank you so much for just your love and your care for us. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the decisions made. Thank you for the help that you gave to us as we worked our way through Ephesians and forgiveness. And 
Thank you, Lord, for how you continue to, uh, to meet with us and how you continue to help our church. And I pray, God, that you would just use the message tonight, that you'd speak to each one of us, that you'd help us to be challenged by your word, and Lord, that we would uh, ultimately be changed because of hearing the message that you have for us. We love you, and we thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> As we come to the passage tonight, I wanna kind of lay some groundwork and understand a few things about money. The first thing that we need to recognize tonight is that the Bible, the word of God, God does not discourage being a person of wealth. God doesn't discourage that. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of uh, truths and principles lined out in scripture that help us to know that investing money and saving money and putting our money to work for us, those are wise things to do. So the Bible doesn't have, it doesn't have this idea that you shouldn't have money and everybody who's a Christian uh, should not be a person of wealth. So that's the first thought, that the Bible does not discourage us being a person of wealth. The second thought is this. That while you may think that you are not rich, you are. Well, pastor, where's my money? Did you know that statistically, Americans, all of America, anybody who lives within the 50 United States, any single person, is in the top 37% of the richest people in the world. Any person. However, the, ma the, the vast majority of U.S. citizens actually rank in the top 10% of the world in wealth. If you're a person that makes, this is crazy. I think the statistic is if you're a person that makes over $30,000 a year, you're in the top 8% of the wealth of the world. Now we sit back and we hear that and we look at our country and we think, well, I'm not doing very good in our country. No, no, no. Based upon the riches of this world, anybody living in the U.S. is wealthy, rich. Well, I'm not rich because I don't have the newest iPhone. Really? I'm not rich because I don't drive the car that I want. No, no, no. If you eat more than two meals, if you eat at least two meals a day or have access to two meals a day, if you have some sort of shelter over your head, if you get any sort of check anytime during the month, I mean anything, social security, something from the, some, some uh, uh, government assistance program, a paycheck, you are among the top 10% of the wealthiest in the world. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? Because when we talk about money, I feel that sometimes many of us, we try to excuse ourselves from the print. Listen, we try to excuse ourselves from the principles of finances in Scripture because, well, I just don't have money. Well, I just don't have money. No, you do. You may not steward it wisely, but you have money. I may not steward my money wisely at times, but I have money. I mean, we are in the top 10%. So the principles in this passage, they can very easily be applied into our lives. <clears throat> and how we use our money says a lot about us. And God has definitely some things to say about that through James 
to those who are rich, those who have money, he gives three lessons. The first lesson, don't trust in your riches. Don't trust in riches. Verses one through three, go to now you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. This is, this is James saying, come on now. Those of you that are abounding in wealth, he says, bewail or cry over the calamities that will come your way because of your money. Verse two, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rest of them shall be a witness against you. What's he saying? Your money is perishing and all that you spend it on is just decaying and rotting away. Your gold and silver is corroding and the, the poison or the rust, the, the, the fact that it's cankered, the rust of your riches is a, is a witness against you and it's just going to eat away your life, eat away your flesh as it were a fire. Why? Because you have heaped treasures together for the last days. You've amassed great treasures into your life to help you in the last days. What is he writing about? Well, apparently there's a group of people that they had gathered wealth and they were dependent upon their wealth for the last days. They were thinking like the, uh, um, like the parable that Jesus speaks about in Matthew. I have, I have filled my storehouses and so I'm gonna build bigger storehouses because then I will be more prepared for what has come my way. And again, the condemnation is not upon saving. The condemnation, the judgment is upon, is upon uh, the idea that you're trusting in riches. There's a group of you that you are saying, if we have more money, then that money is what's going to secure our safety in the future. And what were these rich men doing in the book of James? They were trusting in their riches more than they were trusting in God. They were hoarding their grain, their gold, and their clothing, and they thought that they were rich because they had possessions. And so since they had possessions, they thought they were okay. Because of their possessions and their financial status, they thought things would work out for them, and their dependence was upon their riches rather than upon the Lord. And what does James write to them? Hey, your riches, your wealth, your bank account, it's just going to vanish away. Grain, food rots, metals rust, clothing becomes moth-eaten, and nothing material in this world is going to last forever. The seeds of death and decay are literally found in, in all of creation. And so James is writing to them, it is a huge mistake for you to find security in your wealth. And your riches, they will vanish. They will go away. Remember what Jesus said to the rich man or to the rich young ruler that you must forsake all and follow me. And the rich, run, rich young ruler, what did he do? He left, he left disheartened, he left discouraged. He turned and walked away from the savior because he was trusting in his financial status. Well, what did Solomon write about this? Solomon wrote these words in Proverbs chapter 23, verse four and five. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not for riches? They certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And how often are we guilty of the same sin of these believers in James chapter number five? How often are we guilty of the same thing, which is trusting 
in our riches, trusting in our finances more than we trust in the Lord. Oh, we probably won't say it and come right out and say this, but I know in my own life that often my happiness can be dictated by my financial status. If your money is good, if you have a good savings account, or if you have that envelope at home that has that hundred bucks in it, or $500 or $1,000, whatever your comfort is, you have that, then, you know, your mood is good. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. But when money gets tight, the mood becomes bad and irrational. And maybe you're, maybe you're not like me. Maybe I'll just tell on myself tonight, but I know there's times in my life when money seems do, like it's doing well and it's like, man, Dennis is up and Dennis is encouraged and everything's going fine. But then when money's not, it's like, don't be around Dennis. Why? Because he's cranky. Why is he cranky? Because he's broke at that moment. What, is that, what does that reveal? And I'm serious, what does that reveal? It reveals my heart. It reveals a trust. And I'm not, I'm not talking that you should just never care about your financial situation and not want to improve and not want to gain and, and, and grow and save and all of that. I'm not speaking into that. I'm speaking to the point that when we are trusting in our riches for satisfaction and fulfillment, and when we are trusting in our riches to complete us where we're at, man, God right, tells James to write to these believers them who were saved, writing to them, hey, Quit trusting in your finances. It's okay to save. That's good. That's stewardship. It's security in our financial situation. And Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter number six. He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Hey, you know what? Finances and wealth, it is uncertain. But God is sure and God is steadfast and God is a foundation that will not get wings and fly away like finances do. The money market fluctuates from hour to hour and all investment markets follow suit. And the fact is this, that James writes to these believers right before this, life is brief. So quit trusting in your riches. How do you think that you can store up for the end days that that is your safety? No, you need to remember that your trust should be in God and in God alone. You see, of itself, money is not sinful. Money is neutral, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And if we find ourselves trusting and loving our financial status more than trusting and loving the Lord, man, some things are out of alignment. So don't store up money here with hopes that someday it will provide happiness and a sure foundation. No, money is fleeting, so we must steward our money and use it for the Lord, but not trust in it more than the Lord. Don't trust your financial situation to provide your fulfillment. James gives some challenges to these readers. Go to now, you rich men. Hey, come on now. 
Come on now and just, just start crying because of the misery, the calamity that's gonna come in your life. Why? Because you've been trusting in your finances. So instead of trusting with your finances, we'll learn in a moment to be stewards of it. So number one, don't trust your riches. Number two, don't be greedy with your riches. Don't be greedy with your riches. Verse four and five, notice what James writes. He says, behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, they crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Now, James says to these rich men, basically, you have been crooked in your dealings with others. You have holding back the pay that you should give to others. You have lived in pleasure and neglected anybody who has need around you. And yet, and yet, verse number four or verse number five, you've been wanton. You've been empty. Verse number four, when it talks about the laborers, um, Matthew, I I don't remember what chapter it is, but the book of Matthew right now, Matthew chapter 23 comes to my mind. I don't know if that's it, but you know the story of the parable that Jesus gives of the people to work in his fields. He went out at the uh, you know, first hour of the day and he hired a group of men and said, hey, I will give you a way, a penny to work today. And I'll give you a hundred bucks to work today. And he brings all of them in. It goes out at, the, at the, uh, the third hour of the day and he brings more workers in and he offers to, to pay them $100. And then he goes out at the you know, eighth hour of the day and then the 11th hour. And then comes the day, the day is over and people are lined up to be paid. And it says that the, the last that were hired were the first to be paid. Those that came at the 11th hour. And they come and they get their $100. And then it goes to those that were hired midday and they got $100. Well, those guys in the back of the line that were hired first, they're like, man, if they're all getting 100 bucks, then we're, we're gonna get more than 100 bucks because we've been here for 12 hours. We've been here 11 hours. And they go up there and they get their $100 and they get frustrated. And they say to, uh, to the one who hired them, you know, hey, you, you owed us more. And he said, no, I need to pay you 100 bucks this morning. I paid you 100 bucks. Well, yeah, but we didn't know. Hey, I, I gave you a fair wage. With that parable in your mind, imagine, imagine if all of those employees came to paid at the end of the day and the boss who had said, I'll pay you $100, pulls out 20. And he begins at the last and gives them 20. Pays everybody only $20. Here's my question. Is he keeping his end of the bargain? He agreed to pay $100. What's he doing? He's being fraudulent. He's keeping back. He's being greedy with his money. I already told you I'd pay you, but I'm not. That's what verse number four is talking about. Behold, the laborers that were for hire, they've gone out and they've worked, yet you haven't paid them. And your money, crying against you because you are greedy. Verse five, you've lived in pleasure. 
You're only focused upon your heart. You're focused upon your satisfaction and your greed. And yet, you know what? You're found empty. Because when you focus upon money only being for you, you always end up empty. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.